Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Jason Salmon. Jason, are you ready to do this? I'm ready, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Jason is a senior vice president and managing director of real estate analytics at K Property and Investments. I'm excited to have you on the show. Jason, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, first, I want to say thanks for having me, George. Uh, And with that, uh, just a regular guy. Regular guy, been around the block a little bit, Um, like sports, like to exercise, like to cook, and I like to do my job. So for me, it's, you know, the business is pleasure. There is certainly a work-life balance, but due to the nature of what we do, it's kind of a 24-7, 365 endeavor, and what we do is, you know, in a very wide net, we do private equity real estate, commercial real estate, and what that means is that we help for high net worth investors, real estate investors, to buy small pieces of very large commercial real estate deals uh, across varying asset classes of real estate. So that's basically means property types. And beyond that, with an emphasis on uh, a very specialized part of commercial real estate investing, which is known as the 1031 exchange, which essentially, because of the tax code, allows uh, owners of investment real estate to sell their investment real estate and potentially defer taxes by doing what's called a like-kind exchange, otherwise known as a 1031 exchange, and that's our day-to-day. Uh, but beyond that, we work with various very large uh, owners of real estate who make their large real estate deals available through us to the investors that we mentioned earlier, and that is my day-to-day and certainly my life's work, and it keeps us all very busy. Nice. I love it. All right. So let's just use a, 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 fictitious, a fictitious example, and it, whenever I'm way off base, you just say, you know, George, that's pretty close, or you can just say, that's wrong. Here, Here's how it is. I am uh, I'm I am Fred, and I own uh, a massive. Well, what's 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 a good example of some of the assets that that these people own? Is it is it like a skyscraper in New York City? Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, so. it the, I mean, the markets could vary. I mean, there's two sides of it. One side of it are the investors themselves, the people that ultimately become our clients. So they could own something. Uh, just as straightforward as a rental house or a condominium that is an investment real estate because they have a tenant in there paying rent. They could own 
commercial real estate. They could have something that was a family business. And through, you know, a series of events, they just happened to end up being landlords. And so there are varying degrees of what people could own. It could be something very modest and it could be something that could be tens of millions of dollars. And any of that, as long as it's investment real estate, would be something that if they do a 1031 exchange would, you know, be reason for us to potentially work together. We do actually also work with clients that are simply looking to make direct cash investments. Basically, they have dollars, they want to be in real estate, they want to be hands off, and we can help them access uh, certain larger real estate deals. So on the other side of it, we work with uh, several very large companies that have, in many cases, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars with a B, of real estate. And but it's not a fund or anything like that because it's very specific. It's an actual real estate deal. So the types of real estate that these companies are going out and buying, and it's important to note that because they don't take people's money necessarily in most cases and then go buy that real estate with that money. They've already bought it with their money. And there's, you know, they'll, so what could that be? It could be a 300 unit apartment complex. It could be a Walgreens. It could be, a medical building, it could be self-storage, it could be uh, any number of types of real estate. In this market right now, you don't see very much retail, kind of traditional retail, what we call anchored retail, where you have the grocery store and you have inline space that would be known, you know, like a, call it like a uh, dry cleaner, pizzeria, you just don't see that. The market's kind of taken on a <laughs> new dynamic in the, I guess, era that we're living in, which is more of a, you know, internet based. And certainly there's things that have affected that, but real estate's still around. And it's just a question of, you know, I guess the fundamentally, you know, the basic principle is buy low and sell high. So how can we, you know, find opportunities for that um, and then get paid in a tax advantaged way while you wait. And so, um, but you don't find, you know, major metropolitan areas, at least in the space that we dwell in, it can happen from time to time, but very seldom will you see something, you know, it happens, but it won't be like a, necessarily a skyscraper in a major area. Although I can think that in the past, say two or three years, or maybe even five, that there's been a small handful of certain types of buildings in areas like that, um, that can come up. Um, the, these properties, I mean, I don't, I'd prefer not to make a blanket statement because, you know, there's always outliers, but, you know, these properties could be anywhere between 40 and $100 million a piece. It could be five, $10 million, and there could be properties that are a half billion dollars for one property. And then that could become a real estate deal that could come to our firm. And then our firm has a stringent due diligence process to even determine if we want to offer that real estate deal to our clients. And if it doesn't pass, it's something that we wouldn't offer. But if it is passed, it, we would offer it to our clients. And then beyond that, then there's another layer. Then just because it's out there doesn't mean that it's the right deal for the investor. So we work with these investors day in and day out to determine what makes sense for them and so there's properties all over the country, different areas, different property types, and everybody's going to have different sensibilities. Um, it's something that we call suitability in our industry. And it really just means that 
everybody's situation is specific to them and that I and we as a company, when we work with them, you know, really try to see it that way instead of just assuming, because it's really not prudent to do that, that if it's good for one, then it's good for everybody because that just does not, that doesn't fly. No, that does not fly. Nice. Okay. I think I'm, I'm getting a better handle on it. Um, so somebody who's listening, it could be, um, let, let's just assume that it's me. And I I sell um, my some real estate portfolio that I have. Would it be possible for me to, to sell five rental properties and 1031 it? So just walk walk me through that process if I owned a whole yeah. portfolio of rental properties I sell mm-hmm. and I'm interested in doing a 1031 exchange and working with with Kay or, or somebody like you how, how would that work mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's it is what we do every day it's uh, I mean one you have to make the determination that it makes sense for you you'd consult your CPA and your tax attorney to determine if a 1031 exchange is something that makes sense and if so then you really need to determine if you want to be hands-on, you want to be hands-off. But the 1031 in and of itself, mechanically, if people do it, is is pretty consistent. It has to be because it's part of the Internal Revenue Code, Section 1031. Coincidence that that's why they call it a 1031 <laughs> exchange. But um, So um, essentially, uh, you would prepare to sell, whether it's your I think you said five properties in a portfolio. I mean, you could sell them piecemeal, you could sell them together. However it works transactionally, then um, you would effectively put in place that you intend to do a 1031 exchange when you ultimately sell. So the, the real important thing there is that you don't take possession of the proceeds from that sale. The, possession, the, the proceeds from the sale will go to a professional organization called a qualified intermediary. And they escrow your money, and then there's a couple timelines that, uh, you know, at that point in time from the closing, start concurrently. One is a 45-day timeline, and the other is a 180-day timeline. So what happens is once that money is held, you have 45 days to identify what is to be replacement property. So, again, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here. Um, If people end up working with us, I'm a resource. Call me. I'll walk it through. But there's a 45-day timeline of which there's some rules that must be followed, uh, and you can identify the replacement property and potentially defer your taxes. And the other is a 180-day timeline, which – just because of the nature of what it is, is is sort of there. It's either 180 days or the due date for your taxes for the year in which you sold that real estate, whichever comes sooner. So again, a little bit of nuance, but it's, you know, this is tried and true. It's not that complicated. Um, And one should always consult their CPAs and attorneys for guidance. And certainly we're also here for our part. Um, But you would be able to buy replacement property. So for instance, if you sold one rental, you had a beach house, it was a rental, you had tenants in there for a period, you know, extended period of time and you sold it and your professionals told you that it, yeah, you can potentially defer your taxes by doing a 1031. So you sell, your money goes to the qualified intermediary. And if you and I are working together, hopefully we've been in touch, 
doesn't make that. I mean, it, it can happen, you know, afterwards, but maybe we've been in touch leading up to the sale just to get an understanding and start the educational process about how it all works. And essentially, you know, that would kind of be the starting point by which time your transaction was happening, we might have a pretty good sense of what you wanted to do, assuming that you wanted to potentially do a 1031 exchange and potentially defer your taxes and also go into um, passive uh, real estate deals that give you the opportunity potentially to diversify and you know be hands off. And that's really kind of how it works. I mean, you could very well decide that you sold a rental property, you did the 1031 exchange and you want to go buy another rental and you want to be hands-on. And in that particular case, it really, frankly, doesn't have much to do with me. But if you're the type of person that thinks that that's in your own best interest and you want to keep doing what you've done, you can absolutely do a 1031 exchange. And much to my chagrin, you would not need me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay. Got it. So, um, is it? Well, I, I, I have a couple questions. Does it would would it work if I sold my family business and and, and then do a ten thirty one into real estate, or does it have to be uh, like to like? That's a good question. Uh, I cannot give tax nor legal advice. That's something that just by nature we can't do. Um, interestingly, though, I can tell you from experience and recent history that through the tax reform, that has changed a little bit. Um, not as it relates to the mechanics itself, because it always has been like kind. It's just that other types of things uh, that were eligible uh, previously um, the, that dynamic has changed through the tax reform and people can certainly look up kind of what that was. As far as the real estate itself, it's like for like. So uh, it's always been that way. So if you sold investment real estate, you can buy investment real estate to replace it. You couldn't sell investment real estate and then go buy artwork. You couldn't have sold investment real estate and then gone and purchased uh an airplane. <laughs> so you, but, but in the spirit of it, the like kind means that you could sell a rental house and you could buy a commercial property. You could sell commercial property and buy land. You could sell land and you can buy a piece of a 300 unit apartment complex through us uh, in the, you know, with the type of uh, securitized real estate that we deal with. You could sell that and you could go buy a ranch. You could sell the ranch and you could go buy an office building. On and on and on. It just means that it has to be real estate for real estate. Got it. And so the value that you're providing is obviously you're providing expertise in your area to, to, to help facilitate this process. And then you're also uh, potentially for the right person, providing different alternatives for investment that maybe I would not have been aware of if I was just trying to do this on my own? That is accurate. It's surprising uh, that a lot of people don't know about this, but it is a multi-billion dollar a year industry, at least for our niche part, our very specialized part of it. Um, in some cases, people's CPAs and attorneys might not know about it, but again, it's part of the educational process. And in fact, I've 
personally been doing education uh, for um, CPAs for years on the on the topic, um, and it's just something where just because it is highly specialized, because it's specifically available to high net worth investors, what we do, uh, it's you know that's that's why. But you know there's you know there's quite a bit of business going around, and for those that have been in it that never knew about it before, in my own personal experience, they can't believe that they didn't know about it sooner. And I have found that in a lot of cases, my clients that have done 1031 exchange enjoy the structure and how it all works and the passive nature of it. And in a lot of cases have made cash investments into these types of real estate deals. And some people also in, in reverse where they're considering the 1031 and they want to dip their toe in the water I've seen people make cash investments, but yeah, to be sure, there's not a lot of people that have known about it, but it's certainly, um, you know, if you look at industry uh, reports, you can see that it, you know, it really has grown incrementally year over year over year. And it's just like anything, it's a, just about education and um, more people adopting it, um, having hopefully good results from it and then doing more of it. So it, and, and that's actually proof positive for, for me is when I, the phone rings and somebody calls me and says, oh yeah, so-and-so is your client. And I, we share an attorney or we share a CPA and they said to call her, I, you know, my neighbor and we were doing this or my golf or tennis friend, or we were out to dinner with this couple and they said to give you a call. And you know, that's, that's good. It's not for everyone. I mean, really, I mean, it's not. And it's part of our job to determine if it's not for certain people. Uh, and that's perfectly okay. It comes with the territory, but, um, but it is a very specialized part of commercial real estate investing for the right types of commercial real or the right types of real estate investors. Yeah. Appreciate that very much. So is there a, a minimum dollar amount asset size? Um, I, yeah, I mean, the minimums do vary. It's not something that I'm prepared to get into in this forum. Um, but yes, there are multiple deals that could come out. The minimums are accessible, uh, to most investors. Uh, it's not moon and the stars numbers. It's not, you know, what's in, you know, rattling around at the bottom of your pocket either, but you know, it's, 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 it's accessible. Um, there are minimums, um, and each deal has its own minimums, but it's something that we could get into, but it's, um, it's not, I, I'm not prepared again, you Fair know, enough. through this to do it because each deal stands on its own and has its own sets of, uh, you know, everything that comes with it, business plan, risk factors, minimums. And these are all things that we take on a case by case basis with people regarding their own situation. It depends. Suitability, blah, blah, blah. Come on, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Just I like, kidding. I like what I do, and I want to I keep doing it for... Fair enough. Fine. I'm not going anywhere, and I just want to make sure that we do everything the right way, hopefully. Doing what's right by the client. I get it, Jason. Okay, okay. All right, Jason. Well, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I mean, I would just say to, you know, what I've learned through 
my career, various places, I mean, there's ups and there's downs, but I just think for me, you know, kind of what you see is what you get. The way that I deal with my job, the way that I deal with dozens of people that I speak with every day on all sides of our industry, whether it be investors, whether it be the asset managers that we work with, I just think it's important to not stand on ceremony. You know, there's no affect to what I do. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to, you know, get into jargon or any kind of double speak. I just try to be as direct as I can be regarding these matters and just be matter of fact about how I apply my trade and really how I live my life. And I, I feel pretty strongly about that. I feel that it has served me well, uh, especially professionally, because I don't think, you know, sometimes you, you don't, you know, people don't have that. So I think it's applicable to any industry. I mean, that could be for better or for worse, but I just think, you know, I think taking, you know, things as they come, being a realist about them, not getting ahead of things, not living in a fantasy world. I just think, you know, take the facts, process them, you know, utilize them and, and, and move forward uh, is really, really important. And that's, that's how I do what I do personally. And it's also how I take my day-to-day -day professional um, uh, responsibilities when it comes to dealing with people on all sides of, of the job. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, thank you. I appreciate it, George. Thanks again. Yeah. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, well, you can find our company at uh, kpi1031.com. My name is Jason Salmon. You can certainly look me up directly. My email address is jason at kpi1031.com. And uh, I'd be happy to, you know, have a conversation, see what's what. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jason your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to kpi1031.com. Shoot Jason a message at jason at kpi1031.com. Thank you again, Jason. George, thanks. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.